0: Hi I'm Mel and I'm Safia and you're listening to The Last Stretch, a sports podcast.
1: We're super pumped to have you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We're really excited about this episode. We had Justin Shemi, who is the head scout for the Concordia Stingers men's hockey team. And he runs Pro Goaltending, which is a uh, goaltender training camp. Um, So, yeah, we talked about recruiting and scouting, what that entails, his experience in the field. Uh, It was a really interesting conversation. Mel, uh, any thoughts? I mean, it was really interesting for me just being recruited in the past
0: seeing his perspective of it was really interesting since you know i i didn't know how much work went into it and justin shockingly is 22 years old and a serious go-getter like if if anything from this episode that i took away is just that if you want something go get it just go get it ask around he he did a, a lot of networking it seems just you know showing Coaches and other recruiters that I'm interested in this sort of career. I want to pursue something like this. What do I need to do? What do you like about your job? How do you do your job? You know, if anything, it's just a testament that if you're passionate about something,
1: there's nothing to say that you can't get it. Yeah, there's definitely no doubt about his hustle. He is a tremendous uh, guy, and the work that he does for the Stingers uh, and for Pro Golting and for everything else that he's done, uh, I think it speaks for itself. So enjoy the episode, everyone.
2: Okay, hi, my name is Justin Chemy. I'm uh, I'm the head scout uh, of the Concordia University Men's Hockey Team. Uh, I've been scouting for about seven years now. I started out. I got to start working as uh, a junior scout at power scout hockey it was a data tracking company that uh, was looking to get in the nhl working with teams uh, you know and being able to track every move a player makes and uh, i got to do a lot of got a lot of great experience there and uh, eventually started scouting for the moncton wildcats in the quebec major junior league uh, i was scouting there for four years um learned a ton there uh, built a lot of contacts and uh when uh, when Mark Andre Lima came in as the head, head coach of uh, the Concordia University men's hockey team, i uh, I jumped on with him and became the head scout. Um, and I've been doing that since uh, the 2015 sixteen season for uh, for three years now. and um, also uh, also head recruiter for a goalie school called Pro goaltending. Uh, it's run by a goalie coach named Michael Lawrence. He works for HC. Lugano in the top league in Switzerland. Uh, we work with guys like Colton Point, who just signed with the Dallas Stars and is uh, going to be playing in the American Hockey League this year. He was um, you know, he was a Hobie Baker Award candidate last year. as a top player in college hockey. I uh, work with uh, Ken Appleby, who played in the NHL last year with New Jersey. Jeremy Helvig was one of the best goalies in the Ontario Hockey League last year. Um, and uh, I'm proud to say that we worked with Thomas Seguin last summer, and he just won his first game in the QMJHL uh, this past weekend. So... We work with a lot of elite athletes, and uh, we try to work with the same guys every summer, try to progress them towards uh, playing professional hockey. And um, and yeah, that's that's what I do.
1: Wow, thank you so much, Justin, uh, for joining us in studio today. We're really excited to have you. Uh, obviously, you just stated uh, a lot of your experience, and you're a pretty young guy. Could you say how old you are?
2: I'm 22.
1: Okay, you're 22. So I want everyone to know that these years of experience, they started early on in your life. Could you tell us how you got your start at such a young age?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I started uh, thinking like grade 10, started really getting into the idea of uh, like scouting and uh, working in hockey and learning more about it, more than just as a fan. Um, I uh, eventually went uh, went to the 2012 NHL draft. I attended the Sports Management Worldwide Hockey Career Conference and uh, really came prepared with a lot of questions for the speakers and kind of set myself apart that way uh, by going up to the mic and asking questions and that's how I was, um, I was, I got the attention of Mark Appleby who was running Power Scout Hockey at the time and that was my first opportunity in hockey where I really got to learn a lot and do scouting that was meaningful and, uh, and talk to people in the business as, as uh, you know, part of an organization. Um, and even before that, I, I'd go home from school and call general managers across the Canadian Hockey League to just ask some questions and and bother them. And uh, like you know, now that you realize when you're busy and people have questions like that, you're like, man, like this is a lot of time. So I really, in retrospect, really appreciated all the time they gave me. Um, I actually, I remember once I called, I think it was the GM in Moose John. He goes, like, after like 20 minutes, he goes, Are you writing a story or something? <laughs> or, like, you know, what are you asking all these questions for? I goes, No, I sh- just want to learn and just, wanna just, <laughs> just wanted to to pick your brain. And uh, from there, I actually met the head coach, Kevin Figsby at Concordia. Uh, my dad's an alumni at Concordia, so we went to uh, an alumni event with, where Julie Breezewell was speaking. And uh, I was going to Royal West Academy at the time, so I would sometimes I'd walk over to the rink and uh, just chat with Kevin and talk hockey. And I'd do some scouting for him. And uh, I'd start going to a lot of mid-to-triple-a games and doing scouting reports and, and talking to Q scouts. And uh, that's where I met the head scout of the Moncton Wildcats who, who really gave me my first chance um, in an actual scouting role.
1: So you mentioned you got your start out, I believe it was in grade 10? you said that's when you kind of realize okay i don't want to just be a fan i want to take this to another level i i have a feeling a lot of a lot of kids might want to do i don't know maybe pursue a career on the ice or whatnot but for you it was more the recruiting and the analysis aspect could you tell me could you tell us a little bit you know why that interested you
2: um i don't know i think it just it kind of became like a more than a hobby like a bit of an obsession and uh I'd say I just, uh, it was something I just really wanted to do when I got home from school. It was just like that's what I wanted to learn and do, uh, learn about and, and do and uh, ask more questions and uh, became, uh, became something that, like, it started to happen really fast and it was really exciting and uh, I still love what I do so um, I still want to do it and uh, I'd say the big key, the major keys were just, uh, like, don't be afraid to be annoying. You can bother people and, you know, you know they they you know they might seem like you're annoying but uh you know like you have to be bothering people asking questions and constantly doing work and uh constantly seeking out new opportunities and and building a network of connections i didn't i didn't know anyone in hockey my dad doesn't work in hockey or anything like that so i started from scratch and you just have to show people that you have something to contribute and they'll be willing to give you their time
1: were you an athlete at a younger age or was it more watching sports that was your thing
2: oh i, lo- I still play hockey i love playing hockey i never played at a high level in any which way I never developed contacts in in the elite hockey atmosphere through playing it was i never uh never played no i never played in elite hockey but i love playing hockey it's a huge pastime for me it's something i still do um and uh but but no it was always uh it was always just a You know, it wasn't an elite at an elite level.
0: Well, I guess that just, you know, is a testament to if you want something, you could just go and ask and people are willing to help you along to reach your goals and whatnot. So it's interesting for me because I was recruited for university and stuff. So I've never actually had the chance to speak to a recruiter about their process. Um, Obviously, on the other end of the spectrum, you have all these people talking to you and sort of promising things and it can be a little bit overwhelming. So I, I know what it is. A recruiter on in a certain sense um, can you explain just a little lay person what a recruiter is because I don't think people realize that um, there's a team out there basically collecting players to try and put forth the most you know effective team the best team out there um, can you explain what that's like maybe at the university level and how maybe that's different from let's say the queue? like what is recruiting and how is it different between leagues or you know in an academic setting
2: yeah, well, I'd say on the university perspective, recruiting is is about first of all uh identifying the the players and the people that that you would like to uh to to try and um a- and add to your program. And that's from that's the early stage of it and from there it's really about um Getting in touch with those people and really showing them that you want them and that they have a really big role that that they're gonna be playing a big role in your program and that they're gonna have the opportunity to progress and develop as a hockey player while pursuing uh their academic goals um so I'd say like their role as a recruiter is constantly adding talent to a program that's always on the fly and constantly uh yeah constantly adding talent and constantly uh adding um you know, refilling the cupboards with, with long-term talent.
0: Now, where do you go to get these players? Because I don't think people realize that, you know, at, at even at a young age, it's starting to start younger and younger from what I'm hearing that there are people like yourself sitting in the stands basically just watching a lot of hockey. Um, is that what you spend most of your time doing, just watching live games or video streams? Or are you just analyzing stats? Speaking with uh, coaches in the minor leagues and, you know, finding out do they have top prospects? Do you feel you have players contacting you? Because I, I, that is, I mean, it, it was never a thing really when I, when I was getting recruited for women's hockey, but in, uh, you see it a lot in football, people sending um, their little highlight reels. So, can you just say where where are you going to find these
2: players? Um, well, if you look at our roster at Concordia, you know the high majority of our players are coming from the Canadian Hockey League, mostly the Quebec Major Junior League. Um, these are guys that uh, are have played uh, that are playing uh, probably in their fourth or fifth year in the league, and who have accumulated an education package that will help pay for their education when they come to Concordia. Um, they're also some of the best players. They're some of the best players, uh, you know, available. These are guys who uh, we're talking to them and they're saying, well, I'm also talking to this NHL team. So we need to see what happens here. So they're really high caliber players uh, that NHL scouts are, walk- are watching just as much as we are. Um, I'd say actually it's interesting that you mentioned video because video is becoming a, a really important resource for us uh, and for NHL teams. Um, just because it gives you so much more access to, to seeing the player frequently and for having more people in your organization able to see them as opposed to just having your, your Quebec scout able to see a player. You're able to have uh, your general manager just watch watch a player from your headquarters. Um, and I'd also say going to games is really important. Uh, and I'd say uh, one of the things that people don't realize is important is your ability to network and collect information about players uh, from anyone, from whether it's coaches, previous coaches, uh, agents, uh, teammates, former teammates, friends, any any way you can get information about them as a player, as a person, as a student, is an incredibly important part of the process of recruiting because uh, things happen really fast. A lot of schools are talking to these people. A lot of schools are talking to these players, so you really want to determine which guys are really a good fit for our program, which guys would really be interested in our program um, and are they good people? Are they good students who are going to stick around for four years and get their degree and, and want to progress as a hockey player? So I'd say a really underrated part of the job is being able to collect information from any from any anywhere you can, whether it's, you know, yeah, like I said, people on their team, their scouts, a- NHL scouts are a great resource because they're always in the rink.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So you sort of emphasize that, you know, it's important gathering information about the kind of person they are. So. You know, it's not just about the talent for, for you yourself, um, especially, I mean, I think in an academic setting, too. I mean, you you sort of want to set, set out that person to succeed both academically and, you know, in their respective sports. How can you get a sense if a player is really interested in a program when, you know, they're sort of getting pulled in different directions? Um, can you tell early on, like, OK, it might not be worth investing so much of my time into this individual when I think they may go a different route? Or for you, it's like, I'm going to put as much effort in all the players, and then the cards are just going to sort of lay as they may.
2: I mean, gauging a, a guy's interest sometimes can be harder with, with other, than with other players, but, uh, you know, when when players are asking about the academic program and are asking about getting in touch with academic advisors at Concordia and are asking about the role they would play on our team and, and uh, you know, um how the team's been doing and you know guys who are showing an interest in our program through their questions and through their body language you can tell and you can get a feel for whether they really want to be in this conversation with you or whether they're they're not that interested and and whether they're not really thinking about school so uh you know yeah for sure gauging interest and and engaging whether uh you know, this is worth our time, is is definitely important.
1: Well, you mentioned how uh, players have a tendency to be looking at, whether it's, you know, other schools or other professional leagues, what avenue is best for them. Could you take us through what that negotiation process is like? How early does it start? And when do you get that sense of, okay, we got the guy?
2: Oh, well, we have the guy when he signs his letter of intent. The, like, that's, you know... Y- Often when you especially when you're dealing with really good players you never know because they're they could be having that same conversation with other schools and there's nothing wrong with that I mean they're, they're weighing the options that are in front of them um, but that process can start as early as uh, the summer before their their last season in junior um, that's when I like to start it I think it's important to go into the season with that, that that they have an idea that that you're interested in them and that you're gonna be in touch with them um, and uh, I, I, I think it's important, and I'd actually like to hear your perspective on this, but I think it's important that they feel wanted because it's not only about uh, about what the best school is or the best ho- hockey program is. It's about like it's about what what role am I going to be playing on this team, and like, am I really important for this coach? Like, is he really excited about having me in the lineup and, and having me in the dressing room, um, or is it just like you know another name on his list? So uh, I think it's really important to make the player. To, to effectively communicate your interest in the player and for him to know, wow, this, like, they're really excited about having me and I'm really excited to play a role in that team.
0: Yes, I, I would agree with that because um, it depends what you want to because when I was getting recruited, it, it was weird because in the team I was at, in the, so I played junior at a Stony Creek in um, Hamilton, and it's, it's one of these situations where you know some of your teammates aren't getting recruited and a lot of you are. And, you know, sometimes you can feel uncomfortable talking with your teammate because you don't know if they're getting recruited to the same schools or not. So sometimes it can be a little bit isolating. But, you know, in retrospect, once we all, you know, went to our respective school, we kept talking about it. And it's kind of sad that there wasn't that outlet for all of us. But you kind of had to pick your school. Like, A, you kind of wanted to know what, like you said, what does the coach expect from you when you get there? Because You could go to like a really good hockey school but he might see you he or she might see you as like a fourth liner and that might not be the role you want to play maybe you'd want to go to like a you know a middle the pack school where you can be like first line you know maybe you won't win as many ncaa championships but you'll get on the ice more so you know like it's it's good to be honest because the player can sort of gauge what they want from a program And also like speaking with some of the coaches I've had after I've graduated and stuff and you know they're like I have to be honest because if I'm gonna lie to the player be like yeah you're gonna play a lot and then they come and they don't play a lot it just looks bad because you know word gets around you know you you might be trying to recruit another person who spoke to someone on the team you know that individual was like person lies all the time like I was told I was gonna be first line and I've been on fourth line like all four years or whatever so I think just being honest is good because like you said word gets around like players talk especially like the years after you graduate because you still know a lot of the people in the junior leagues that you played against too and they're asking advice um so yeah I mean feeling wanted is good because you could gauge like which schools are serious especially when you have a lot of schools recruiting you um, some might not be as serious as others, especially there's just such an influx of information. Um, it's, it's funny how you mentioned that you s- sort of get after it in their last seasons because maybe it's because women's hockey, you're going right out of high school for the most part because there's not like this junior league really. So, like, I committed to my university. Like, I went to St. Lawrence University, NCAA in the States, and I committed – like Christmas of my junior year of high school, so it seems like it's just starting like younger at the women's age. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Is that? Do you do you see other players like committing early on like that in for Concordia or?
2: I mean, usually when you're going after someone early, it means that you really want them. I'm sure St. Lawrence was really interested in you if they were pursuing you a year and a half or two years in advance uh on the side for canadian university often guys are waiting for their 20 year old season to see what pro opportunities they're going to get you know am i going to do i like if i don't get an american hockey league contract or an nhl entry level contract then i'm going to go to canadian university so they're they're often in a wait and see mode until their 20 year old year midway through their 20 year old year so they're not they're not really interested in signing a, a letter of intent right away Whereas on the NCAA side, they're recruiting a little earlier. Usually, guys start in the NCAA around eighteen to twenty, so they're a little younger. Um, and there's more; it's more of the path that they want to take. It's kind of like the NCAA, Like uh, instead of going to the Canadian Hockey League, they're going to the NCAA. So they're gonna they're gonna you know they're gonna know they want to go to the NCAA since they were like sixteen or fifteen years old. So they're ready to sign that letter of intent whenever it comes. Uh so I think it's a very different process for Canadian University and I don't think any schools are signing guys more than a year in advance.
0: Yeah, just since we're speaking about it, um it is very interesting because in women's hockey it's very different. I know um I have some people that recruited um NCAA, they went on to coach and stuff and or or let's say there's at a D three school, um, or I, I know that some of the coaches at McGill it can be hard to recruit for a U sports team or like D3 schools because you can, you might see evidently like a really good player. You're like, "I want that player, but they're probably going to go NCAA because on the women's side, unfortunately, there's the financial packages are much better. And with that, you know they've had a lot of influx of really good players. So in some some, some teams the hockey's just a lot better NCAA. Is is there, like, a big discrepancy between men's youth sport and NCAA? Because I honestly have no idea on the men's side. This is all completely anecdotal for
2: me. I'd say on the top-end talent, you see a lot more NHL talent going through the NCAA than through our, our league. Um, but I definitely think we line up very well in terms of caliber uh, with the NCAA men's hockey programs. But, you know, usually a guy will pick an NCAA – or oh, I shouldn't say that, but he – it's hard to lure an, a player away from the NCAA to come play Canadian University right now.
1: This whole conversation got me thinking about uh, the caliber of hockey at the university level in Canada. Cause I think there are a lot of people who see you sports as, you know, kind of like the final stop in your career and maybe not for women's hockey because it is the next step going into the CWHL or the NWHL. But for men's hockey, it's a different story. There's this idea of, OK, you were, for example, in the Canadian Hockey League. You decided to come and do your studies at a university, and that's it. That's the end of the line, and, and you're going to go you know, like pursue a job, like a, I guess a regular job. Obviously, the last couple of years, there have been guys who made the jump to pro leagues. For example, I think of Anthony DeLuca who you recruited and he went over to Europe I think of Anthony Beauregard as well who went over to the Laval Rocket last year so there are possibilities for players to have careers in pro leagues I wanted to get your uh, opinion on that do you think that players you know do they come in with a mentality of hey I still want to make it maybe to a professional league in Europe or to the NHL or to the AHL is that still does that is that dream still alive when guys come to U Sports,
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's a, sometimes an external con- like misconception that, and and because it used to be that that U Sports is kind of a graveyard sometimes for a career, and it, and it's not anymore at all. Um, the players we we're we're recruiting from major junior. Are extremely elite players. Uh, you know, I think of guys like Carl Neal and Alex Gosselin uh, on our blue line and Mark Antoine Turcotte uh, and, and Hugo Roy, who's a new recruit this year. Those guys absolutely have pro potential to play in North America, to play uh, to, who, are, who could definitely attract interest from NHL organizations uh, and who also will attract interest from, from pro leagues in Europe for sure. Uh, they're definitely guys who have pro upsides and, and who are progressing through, throughout their, their university degree. And who are guys that train extremely hard in the off season to to be in top shape, just as if they were preparing for a pro season. So um, and it's not I'm not just talking about Concordia. If you look at UNB, they had Francis Bavillier who was playing in Manitoba uh, with with the Winnipeg Jets, AHL affiliate. Um, you have Charles David Baudouin who was playing at University of Quebec Trois Virg, who's now with the Manitoba Moose as well. Um, you know, there's there's a a ton of guys. Look at Derek Ryan on on Cal, on the Calgary Flames, Mathieu Darsh who played for the Habs. Uh, you know, there's countless examples of guys who move on to have successful professional careers after playing a full four years and getting their 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 university degree. Joel um, Ward as well. He was one Joel of Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on of guys who play in the American League and and who guys uh I you mean, know, you know, there's and also NHL development camp invites. NHL teams are scouting our league for sure. There, there are guys uh, every every summer who are getting NHL development camp invites out of our league. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, Mark Simpson in UNB. He was at the Capitals camp the last two years. I think of uh, I'm trying to remember his name uh, from St. Mary's. He was at Tampa Bay's camp. Anthony Rapaccio, I believe his name. Um, you know, so there's definitely guys. There's definitely NHL scouts watching our games. Um, and I, I can tell you for sure that, that Mark is, gets, pro, gets calls from pro teams asking for references on our players. So uh, I'm 100% sure that that our guys are having pro opportunities, uh, and that's something that it's really important to communicate to potential recruits that this is not uh, the end of your career. This is a, a really good place for you to progress and have an opportunity to play in the top six and have an opportunity to play on the power play and, and develop towards playing professional hockey.
1: I feel like more people need to know that. I feel like from a marketing standpoint for U sports, first of all, people aren't a huge fan of the name. They still call it CIS regularly. Uh, It's former name. And I feel like that should be the first point of marketability for the league, because I don't think people pay attention to university sports as much as they should. I was one of those people who didn't think much of it until I was like forced to cover it for a school newspaper. And I came and I was like, wow, I've been missing out. I've been missing out for years. I had done my undergrad by that point. I was almost done it was in my fourth year or something. And I was like, wow, I could have been here three years earlier. But I mean, I heard, barely heard about it. And this might just be Concordia's marketing. <laughs> marketing. I don't know if all teams are like that. But, you know, I think it's unfortunate. Um, you mentioned that guys are, are getting the, you know, scouted by pro pro scouts and whatnot. And, and you kind of mentioned the whole thing of U uh, sports being a graveyard. Uh, Having that perception is that was that true at one point is this is this a recent phenomenon that more scouts are Looking at guys from new sports or has that always been going on and now I mean now we have the confirmation
2: (laughs) I don't think it's recent. I think that uh, you know going back 20 30 years ago I think it's it was more common, but I don't think it's a recent change that this is becoming a, a pro development uh a development uh, that it it was a development league i think it's been like that for for uh you know a while
1: okay that's good to know actually
2: Uh, i i do think one thing that changed is when the uh the chl brought in that education package uh that that encouraged a lot more guys to come play university hockey in canada after their their canadian hockey league careers
1: what is uh can you tell us more a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Um well the way this the Canadian Hockey League uh, I mean it varies between the the WHL, OHL and Q, but the the general concept is that they uh for every year you play in the QMJHL, you have you get a free year of university afterwards. And you don't even have to play if you want if you say at the end of your Canadian Hockey League career that you're like okay, you know that was great and I want to move on to something else. You can go to university and get that to collect that, that scholarship without even playing, but if you do want to come and play, you still get that scholarship from the Canadian Hockey League. So if you played from 17 to 20 years old, uh, you know, for the uh, for the Quebec Ramparts, um, you're going to get your, your full university degree paid for.
0: I had no idea that existed. Yeah. That's any Canadian university you could attend? Or is there a certain, like, list you have to adhere to or, uh, I don't know, a, a money gap?
2: It's based on a certain tuition. Like, it's not it's not like you can go to a U.S. university and, and you know, they'll pay your full tuition. But yeah. They'll pay, like, you know, whatever. I forgot what the way it rules. I think it's based on where you're from, how much university costs there. But, yeah, that's uh, the general rule is for every year you play, you get a free year of university.
1: kind of cool. When was that introduced? You know, you may have mentioned it, but...
2: No, I haven't mentioned it. I think it's been around for about, I want to say, around 10 years. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I have no idea, but, like,
1: there's no reason I would know. It's <laughs> true. You were in the in the U.S. Gosh, no. <laughs> no, but, like, I don't have the
0: opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> to play in those leagues, that's cool. Okay, so just to speak a little bit more recruiting, like, do you have a region you adhere to? How many recruits are there for the stingers? And um, if there are, do you guys have regional settings, or can you go all the way to BC to find someone?
2: I uh, know I'm I'm our only scout, or I'm the yeah the only scout, but. Um, I think what's really important is that I, I'm pretty well connected across the country. I have people who I talk to out West. I have people who I talk to uh, in Ontario who are, you know, and I have like, there's a friend of mine who's an NHL scout in Ontario, who I speak to all the time about, about 20 year olds in the Ontario hockey league and, and uh, you know, his thoughts on them. And, and I, like I said, I think it's an underrated part of the job is your ability to, to, to get information from reliable sources uh, that you trust. Um, and be able to, to use that in recruiting, um, whereas I think people think that it's important to be traveling a lot to be seeing players, Where I think, it, whereas I think it's really important that we're talking to people who know these players really well, uh, who know them better than we would even if we were traveling all the time. Um, and using their opinion in our for for our benefit.
0: So, what percentage of the time would you say you're physically in a rank watching a game live?
2: Uh, every weekend, absolutely. But it's it's not realistic to be uh, cross country, you know. To it's it's more about you know it's I think. What's really important is is having a network of contacts, whether it's coaches, whether it's people who are around different leagues who can tell you about those players. But I'm definitely scouting all the time, and and, and Mark Andre is with me a lot of that time too. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's it seems more efficient to just work through a network, and I mean, it gives you a greater reach. So, I mean, that just seems smart, which is.
2: Well, well, actually, in the NCAA, you're not even allowed to have scouts. You're you're only allowed you're only allowed to have coaches recruiting. So that makes the process for them a lot tougher in terms of scouting. So, for them, for sure, they're relying on contacts yeah. spread across the country. But,
0: I mean, I don't want to get anyone in
2: trouble, but
0: a lot of teams will have a coach, but,
2: but they're on coach. the
0: road most of the right. time. Right, there's, there's an assistant coach who is isn't You don't often, see him too often right. at the ring.
2: Right, right, <laughs> right. for sure. Um... But like you know, even then, it's still you could. It's really hard to uh, to have more than maybe one guy who's a half coach. Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, is there um, rules to when you could contact players, how you could contact them, and um...
2: yeah, there are rules regarding visits. Um, you're only allowed to have one official visit before they sign their letter of intent but there there's not a lot of rules that really restrict the way we want to recruit guys or restrict our ability to show them our facilities or, or to put them in touch with academic advisors who can give them a better idea of of you know whether their credits are going to transfer or how their transcripts going to look coming into school and, and all that stuff so that, like i don't think any of the recruiting rules are really obtrusive to to our process and uh, to giving to to being in touch with the with guys that we want to add to our program, uh, so it's not it's not much of a barrier for us right now. Oh well, actually, I would I would actually add that in the NCAA, I think it's a bigger barrier because players are are being sought after around fourteen, fifteen years old. So there have to be more strict rules about you know bothering kids like that and yeah. their parents all the time. So
0: certain uh, age it, groups. I it, was it, telling Safia yeah. on the way here that. We should probably have an episode, which I think we will, covering sort of rules and recruiting and stuff. Um, Because just when I went through the process, I didn't know what was allowed, what wasn't allowed, what to expect, how should I react, um, how excited should I be about certain things or not. But do you get any sort of, uh, I guess, restriction, not restriction?
2: There's there's nothing that slows us down in in what we're what we're trying to do. I'd say, uh, in terms of rules. Okay, so uh, the only strict uh, one is. I mean, I'd say in the like the the CHL has some rules. Like the Q, you're not supposed to be, you're not, you're not, you shouldn't be calling anyone during the playoffs. Uh, you shouldn't be calling anyone on game days. Um, you know, but they're all they're all things that are pretty, you know, common sense. I don't think it would be a good idea for me to bother a player on a game day. It's like, well, like you know, you could have called me yesterday or tomorrow. Like, why do you have to bother me on a game day? Like. You know, so I think they're all pretty common sense things that are really reasonable requests, um, but nothing that slows us down from from being in constant contact with a player and really showing him that we want him in, uh, in our program.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about your first experiences in recruiting. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was with the Moncton Wildcats. Uh, could you walk me through? Like, do you have a vivid memory of like that first time when you actually had to do it? Were you in Moncton Were you in Montreal watching video? How did that go down? And what have you learned since?
2: So with Moncton, my job was Montreal area scout. Okay. So I was scouting. Uh, well, and, and actually, it's pretty important territory because um, the the Quebec Major a League is made up of fifteen teams. Six of them are in the Montreal area. So uh, on any given weekend, you can have like, you know, you'll you definitely be busy every weekend. Um, I'd say the big a huge difference in that job versus this job is at Concordia. There's there's no draft. There's no selection process. It's about getting players to want to come to your to your program the players have all the power in their hands whereas with the draft it was about having picks and and you know being able to you know saving your picks to be able to to, to pick players and uh and you know it wasn't as much of a concern about whether he wanted to come he, like he, you know if he wanted to play in the Quebec Major junior league he was probably going to come to Moncton we had a great organization there so um they just have a, they have a beautiful new rink there actually this year um so it's that's a very different thing so with there you're you're really it's really important that your list is really sharp that your rank your player ranking is is really what you want it to be that you're putting in game reports all the time that you're tracking the progress of of the players that you're constantly in the rink that we you know we we would always have meetings about our you know our player rankings and uh and who we like and you know is this pick really important or do we need to move up in the first round do we want to trade down and get a second pick or something like that so uh it's a very different process than recruiting for a university team you know same thing with the ncaa boston university and uh you know minnesota and you know high-end programs at northeastern providence those guys have a huge edge over a team like university of vermont or um you know uh uh nebraska, not nebraska i'm thinking of, alabama huntsville you know teams like that who are like have to work a lot harder and have to maybe Sell not settle, but but look for lower end players because th- you know the best guys are going to go to Boston University and Boston College, and, and who can blame them?
0: So w- what do you kind of look for in a player? Like obviously you have a team is full of different kinds of players. You have like your high power gold scorers. Sometimes you just need a solid third liner who's going to grind it out and crash the net. Now, do you have a lot of conversations with the coach? Okay, what what do you need next season? What do you need the season after that? What are we lacking? Is there these conversations? Before you you know set out like for scouting for the next class or is it really up to you 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 bring a list to the coach you're like these are the kinds of players I've sort of ranked them or identified them as different styles or for you is just like I just look for a well-rounded hockey player.
2: Well, as I'm sure you know, like from from your experience at St. Lawrence, the head coach is a really busy person, so it's it's hard to involve them frequently in the in the scouting process. But I like I try as much. Like I was I went to a game with Mark uh, last week. Um, it was really great because uh, you know we got we spoke to the players the, the players we liked after and and I you know what I like I I like talking to the players and I, and I like being part of the recruiting process but if I'm a player I think it's a lot more important to be hearing from the head coach than a head scout because honestly uh, I don't i'm not around the team that much i'm not going to play an important role in your experience at concordia in terms of you know your four years here whereas mark andre is going to be the guy you play for for the next four years i think it's a lot more important to be hearing from him than hearing from me so i try as much as possible to leave the recruiting side to mark whereas i i do a lot more of the scouting um so um a lot of it will be like mark i really like this guy i think he's you know, I've heard a lot of great things about him. I know his coach and I know his agent and like I I really think he's a good fit for our program. I've been watching him play since he was in mid to triple Like I I really think he's he's a good fit. I you know, here's his phone number. Like let's 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 get let's get to work on this guy and he'll go from there. But uh, yeah, definitely I have a uh, a lot of say in which guys I like and which players we should pursue. Um Another important thing that's underrated in recruiting is uh familiarity with the program. You know, it's really it's really nice when you have a guy who's friends with on the who's a guy on the team who's friends with the, the player you're looking to get. It's just it, it makes it so much easier to recruit when you have a trusted source. When when there's a guy who he has familiar with in the program, it's like, Yeah, I you know, I love playing for Mark and you know, i you know, school's here is great. I love living in Montreal and uh you know, I really feel like I'm progressing t- towards playing in the American League and Things like that, that, that really help.
1: I find it really interesting because oftentimes I think people might confuse scouting and recruiting as the same thing. And hearing you make that distinction with mark being kind of like the final word, okay, we're going to get this guy but you're the one giving him a pool of guys who's like hey these are interesting choices you should consider them i think that's really interesting to make uh that distinction um i wanted to ask you just to switch it up a bit i know you uh also work for pro goaltending uh could you tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah i mean with with pro goaltending i'm kind of the the general manager of our of our like especially with montreal camps um i um you know, for example, we've got our Christmas camp coming up December 21st and 22nd at Edmahar Arena. Um, that's just kind of a two-day, this is like training, two training sessions. It's not exactly the same thing as our, our camps in the summer. But, uh, you know, with that, I'm in charge of, of coordinating everything at the rink, all the recruiting and, uh, you know, hiring everybody and all that stuff. I do everything but coach, really. Um and I'd say a, a a big part of it, and a big thing I've learned through that job is is how to sell and how to recruit, and how to develop like long term relationships with players, and with their parents is especially important because you're usually going after. We like to start working with goalies around 13, 14, 15 years old, so it's really important to involve the parents in that process. Um, I think uh, last year, last two summers ago, was our first year in Montreal. Uh, we had a really good group, and I think we took a huge step forward this summer. Uh, just from our, our one-week camp in Montreal, we have uh, Fabio Iacobo who's playing for the Victoriaville Tigers in the Quebec Major Junior League. Thomas and Sherbrooke. Um, we've got uh, a kid named Ryan Landsberger playing Junior A in Alberta. Um, we have a kid named Oliver Arnfast who's a 2003 who, who, uh, from Nova Scotia who's, who's got a real good chance to be playing at the Canada Games this year and to be drafted in the Quebec Major Junior League. So I think we really put together a really nice elite group uh, of goalies this summer Uh, and that doesn't even uh, touch what we do in, in Oshawa where I help with recruiting as well. Um, Oshawa is where we have our development camp where our, our, um, our high end, our pros are working with Mike for probably two or three weeks. And, uh, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, again, showing that, you know, we really want to work with you. We really think you have a chance to, to be someone, to, 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 be a really good goalie and, and that we really think we can help you do that, um, and uh, you know really show that we're you know there's something different about us and it's all about again it's a huge part of his recruiting
1: looking back um, going back to the stingers now uh, obviously it's a new season it just started out a few weeks ago a week or so ago Um, what are your expectations obviously I know there there were several departures I feel like there's a lot of turnover anyways each year because you know you graduate eventually or you're not no longer eligible uh, to play but um, you know what are your expectations and how do you feel about uh, the current roster,
2: we feel really good about the, the current roster. We think Hugo Hua is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, really excited about having Philippe Pudon back for for his last year. Um, Philippe Sanche, uh, Charles-Éric Légare, we think is really taking a step forward this year. You know, we we, uh, we feel really good about Jean-Philippe Beaulieu down, down the middle and Chase Harwell. You know, and, and on the back end, we really feel solid about our, our eight-man unit. And and, on, and especially in goalie, on antoine Turcotte is back and, you know, how he played last year. So we feel really good. And the, the expectations to get back to Nationals again, um, you know, Beat McGill and uh, <laughs> and and just to, you know, yeah, just to win. Like I expect us, I don't see any reason why we should be losing on any given night, to be honest with you.
0: So obviously you're kind of recruiting different types of people. How do you approach communicating with different kinds of people? Not every individual is, diff- is receptive to certain ca- kinds of communications or how you speak to them about the program. Do you have different approaches to certain individuals or do you kind of just spit out the same pitch line every time
2: yeah well i think that's that's a big part of why it's important to to learn a lot about the person from anyone you know who knows you know has a relationship with them to to better understand how to communicate with them and to better understand how to make them comfortable and i think as a coach it's important to be uh moving away from the man the 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 um managing the, the the 20 23 man room the same way and it's important to be understanding the benefits of of understanding people's personality and the way that they communicate and the way that they interpret things and their background and, and using that to your advantage to, to better get messages, you know, to, to, to better uh, to get the message through to that person. These things, you know, when people are happier and they're more comfortable, they work better, whether it's in a hockey team or in a company. So it's really important to understand the people you're working with. Uh, to get the most out of them,
1: I think that's really interesting because obviously it, within a team, you're not as we we talked about. Um, we're not just you're not just recruiting star players who are just goal scorers. You're also you know you're getting. Uh, athletes who can play on the third line and you know play more of those background roles and you need to manage the personalities because with that sometimes you know egos can clash and it could be really interesting so I think that's actually a really good point because you know even even in a non-sports team setting that applies in any company and the moment everyone's happier and communicating nicely things go a lot smoother for sure and definitely just like
0: when that individual let's say they do commit to Concordia or whatnot you want that player to sort of mesh well with the rest of the team, the rest of the vibe that the team has. Because, you know, everyone says that you don't want a toxic player on your team because it could honestly take one individual with a poor attitude or, you know, a very influential person who somehow poisons the whole team. Um, So I guess, yeah, it's it's definitely important to find the, the right kinds of people for the right kinds of teams
2: yeah i mean there's a sports psychologist named dana sinclair i remember at a conference i was at she said uh having one bad one bad apple in a in a good environment will is they're more likely to bring the environment down than to go up with the environment you know what i mean like it's they won't they won't uh you know they're less likely to jump into the culture that's there they're more likely to bring that culture down uh so it's uh it's that's an important thing to to keep in mind and and it's important to find people who are willing to give up personal success for you know for team success like people criticize the the golden State warriors a lot and and the team stacking but you have to also think that like you know this is a point that was made to me that a bit left an impression on me like kevin durant he gave up he's probably giving up personal success and and uh the number of shots he gets to take every game for team success for being on a better team and for winning more so it's, a, it's a, I thought that was an interesting perspective that I was like left an impression on me
0: for sure I mean like I said like do you want to go to a top ranking school and can you play the fourth line can you assume that role or do you just want to go D3 or you know a lower end, lower end school get first line play more hours
2: right Depends. so yeah it's, it's a, I think it's important to find people who are willing to, to buy in and to uh, you know I think that's kind of a cliche but I think it's cool and you put in an example like you know hot like some of the best players in the world are choosing you know look at you know John deverez is choosing to be a se- he's maybe a second line center imagine John Deverrez a second line center but to be able to win and uh and to be a part of the, the Toronto Maple Leafs was enough for him to, to choose to go there so
0: yeah and so- sometimes it's learning like you know playing in the CWHL like you get all the top talent comes into this league right and You know, a lot of us came from playing first line in our respective schools. So, you know, a lot of us are learning how to play different roles. But at the same time, we're just, we're learning so much from all the good players. Like I get to play with some of the top Olympians, you know, I'm learning so much by just practicing with them, playing with them, watching them. So I think, you know, that could be also be a selling like advantage sometimes. Like you're going to get a chance to play with some of the best people. You could learn from them, and you know, especially on the men's side, like this can, this can propel you into you know your future career as a professional athlete,
2: for sure. And like you know, like goes back to pro goaltending. Like this year we had at development camp in osha we had a group of twelve guys, all of them were either playing in the American League in Europe, in the NHL, and or in major junior, and then we had one 15 year fifteen-year-old who we think is has an extreme amount of potential, and for him to be around that group for two weeks. Is like, it is an extremely important experience for him that he's going to learn a ton from. And, you know, I, and I remember at our Montreal camp, we had a group one and group two. I remember group one in the morning, like before the, before and after they were on the ice, um, they'd be rolling out they like their preparation, they'd be taking notes in their video sessions. Their preparation was really impressive and it left it, and it was a really important uh, standard for the second group, who's a little bit younger, uh, to see and like to understand how important their preparation is just for a training session you know they rolled they rolled before they got on they rolled after they were like they came in with a notebook into their video sessions and like it's it's really important for for younger guys to see that
0: i just had a question because being how young you are have you ever had any resistance from playing players maybe not believing that you're the recruiter or the scouter um is there any resistance from players or maybe you know when you're trying to network and make new contacts with new coaches is there any resistance with your age
2: maybe when i was really young like when i was like you know 16 17 especially like with other scouts like they didn't really like he doesn't have experience and this and that and all all that stuff and uh like there were definitely reservations about listening to my opinion i was very lucky that my head scout in moncton really listened to my opinion and you know like by my second year you know there i was kind of you know you you move up the draft like move closer to the head scout of the draft table i was sitting next to him at one point and uh I was very lucky that he valued my opinion. And in terms of recruiting, I mean, a lot of it's on the phone. So that helps. <laughs> and and uh, in terms of with coaches, I think coaches are always always looking to help their players find places to play after. No one wants a program that's known as a graveyard. So, uh, you know, every program is looking to help their players find the next place to play. Because that's, that's really how you sell your program. At the end of the day, it's like same thing with Pro Goalty with Concordia. A big part of the program sells who we work with and where they are. You know, like we... You know, a big part of our cell now is Elvis Merzelkins who you know might be playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets next year. Um, and you know, with Concordia, you look at Olivier Hines as having a lot of success in Europe, and what what, what might Philippe Don be doing next year? And you know, you think about these things and how you can use those to to you know explain the the Concordia effect to to the next wave of recruits. Um, but no, I don't think there was ever like a tube out of it. I mean. Yeah, yeah. There it was when I was younger, but it wasn't a big deal. Yeah,
1: now you're well established at 22. That's fantastic. For all we know, if everything's over the phone, they might think you're like 50 years old. Yeah, shock. He has a a great radio voice. I think. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome.
0: Again, you just—I mean—you keep saying these like contrasts. So, like, my experience was just so interesting because you know, yes, I play in the CWHL right now, but that's not that wasn't a selling point when I was. getting recruited because unfortunately sort of university was sort of the cap that was like okay you've hit the top of women's hockey other than you know national programs which I mean there's a limited number there for sure there's only so many of us that could go to the Olympics right for sure so it's just uh you know speaking to these contrasts, it's just interesting you know as a female like the difference there which you know I I guess we have to Maybe they have to sell sort of the experience a little bit more, and the team you want to play for. Um, being so young, what is your ultimate goal? Like, what is your next plan? You're still a student, right? Uh, when are you graduating?
2: I'm graduating this year.
0: Oh, fantastic! So, do you have uh, what what are your long term goals?
2: Um, to be working in the NHL on a hockey operations team for sure is definitely the long term goal.
1: Do you want to be the next Kyle Dewis?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Well, his um, CV's
1: building, so yeah, there I you, think you have a great shot. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Lastly, uh, Justin, do you want to plug anything or talk about anything? Now's your chance.
2: Um, not really. I mean, I you know definitely, uh, I definitely would say that I I think that if you're working for a program, you have to believe in it. I've like turned down scouting opportunities for certain teams if I didn't think that they had a solid program that I I'd be happy to be sending players to. So I'd, I'm very confident. in – in the stingers program and what we're selling and, and what we're preaching to to players. And same thing with pro goaltending. I'm, I'm very, I'm a big believer in Michael Lawrence and, and what he's capable of doing. And he's done it. He's already done it, you know, multiple times with goalies. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's very important to me to be uh, a strong backer of what you're selling. Cause uh, if not, then you're not going to, you're not going to be passionate about it and you're not going to really feel, you're not going to really believe that you can win. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'd say.
0: Well, awesome, Justin. Thanks so much for being on our show. Uh, it was very insightful, especially for me, like just seeing the other side of of the story. Because I mean, I only had one perspective of scouts and recruiters, and you know, you don't really realize how much work goes into it. And you know, as a as a graduate of you know a successful program that I you know really enjoyed. You know, I appreciate the work you put in and being honest about what a program might be and, you know, what can you expect at this university, the support level you can get there and whatnot. So that was great. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed it. It was a really good show.
1: What, any comments, Sass? I feel like I learned a lot. This is really cool. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of the Stinger season it was pro goaltending as well.
2: For sure. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and I'll see you guys around the season.
0: Um, Justin, one last thing. If you do have a Twitter or whatnot, Feel free to plug all your social media accounts and maybe you can <laughs> gather a following.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at the Schmeister. You can just look up my name, Justin Shemi, and uh, and I'm there. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Justin.
2: Yeah, thank you guys.
1: Thanks for listening. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Mel the Rock, Saps on the Go, and Last Stretch Pod. Our theme music is by James Blonde. You can find their music at JamesBlonde.ca. This show was produced and edited by Tom Zolotnay
0: for the Upford Network. Find out about all our great shows at upfordnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.
2: I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey Don, what do you think of Changing on the Fly?
1: Not the left-wing pinko media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you
2: nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts, or visit us online at Changing on the Fly I'm Julian
1: McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the Upford Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom.